We are starting off then this year thinking about practices for living like Jesus. And if you're wondering what a practice is, it's kind of basically the same as a habit. And so we're kind of contemplating at the start of this year, what are those things that will help us to form, to become more like Jesus and to get to know him better and to make a difference where we are. So that's kind of where we're aiming at at the start of this year. And this morning, I'm thinking particularly about the idea of forming. How are we formed and changed and how do we become the people that we're meant to be? Is that all right so far? Okay. So we're kicking off with a little game, but it's not a competitive one. Okay. Because we're going to be nice to people who come up on the stage. We're not going to be rude to them at all. We're going to say pleasant things to them. And I wondered if any of the 20s would like to help me with this. How many 20s have we got in the room today? Have we got a few? Oh, Luke's here. Bertha's here. Brilliant. Could you come up and give us a hand? It's a very easy thing. There you go. Is that all right? I promise you it won't be too difficult. Bertha's a primary school teacher, so this will be like bang in the middle of your skill set. Okay, so you can't show each other. Anna's here as well, but we'll be nice to Anna because she's going back to uni tomorrow. So if you just have a look at what's on your piece of paper, and then hand them back to me, and you're not allowed to talk, but what you've got is a minute to form that into what's on the card, but you've only got one lump between you. Are you ready? And then we'll see if you guys can guess what it is. So you can't talk, but you've got a minute. Ready? Let me, let me Whoa. Do some stretching. Are you ready? Steady. Go. Don't encourage them in any way, please. Don't do that. Right, you've got another 20 seconds. Might need 30. <laughs> 10. <laughs> 9. <laughs> 8. 7. 6. 5. Oh, it's all gone wrong. 4. 3. 2. 1. Stop. Right, let's give him a clap. Now, I don't know if we can see from there. Can you see the beauty that is this? Oh, we've done quite well. What were you trying to make? A snowman and a, and a giraffe. See, they're two different things to make from the same lump of Play-Doh. That will hopefully make a point for us. But let's give them a clap. Thank you so much. If ever either of you become vicars, I owe you a visit. I'll come and you can embarrass me. And the point really is that we are being formed all the time in more than one different direction. There are all sorts of things trying to pull us and form us and shape us in different ways. And what that means is that we end up being kind of pulled around a little bit. And how do we determine what we end up being like at the end of this? Because there are so many different influences on us. So could you either have a just think by yourself, or you can talk to someone near you about this, up to you. 
what are these organizations, or if they're not relevant to you, others trying to form in you? What do they want you to be like? Is that all right? You can pick a different organization if you want, but if Facebook were to design you, what would they want you to be like? What are they aiming for in you as an individual? So you can have a talk, or you can just think to yourself, what are they trying to form in you? Is that all right? Now, can I say, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Like, I don't actually believe these guys are like trying to take over the world. I'm not sure I believe that they're out to get me. But I do think that they do have agendas, and some of that is trying to influence me. Is this hissing annoying you? So, if you were to just kind of mull with me for a moment, what are they trying to form in you? Facebook are trying to get my attention span as short as possible so that I keep clicking all the time. They want me to be consistent so they can target me with algorithms. So every now and then I like something that I don't actually like so that hopefully they don't put me in a box. So every now and then I'm like bird watching. <laughs> That's my new thing for a week and I'm going to click on all the bird watching stuff. What's fascinating is how many websites they track you across. Do you notice that? I shop for shoes somewhere completely different. But isn't it interesting how many other places shoes show up on my internet? Because I'm being influenced or people are trying to influence me. Netflix are trying to influence me to watch more and more TV. And I think probably to lower my standards a little bit, if I'm honest. They keep like giving me other shows and I was like, well, the last one was marginal and I'm not really sure I want to watch this one, but if they recommend it for me, maybe. Mum's net, do you notice, by the way, there's no dad's net? <laughs> there's only a mum's net. But it's almost like a sort of benchmark for what the best parent ever would be like. <laughs> and frankly, we will never hit that. And if I looked at all the parenting websites, I should be at a club with my kids every hour that they awake in order for them to be happy. Because if they're bored, it's my fault. And so there are all sorts of things trying to form us. Some of them, or some of our formation is good. God's trying to form you, isn't he? We know from the Bible that he is at work in you and he's not going to stop until we die. And all the time he's going to form us into the likeness of him. But we also know there's lots and lots of other things trying to form us as well. And so this series is called Practices for Living Like Jesus because we all need a bit of help. 
And the phrase that, or the idea I would use is like scaffolding or a trellis. Now, if you've driven down Yarm Road, you see what looks bigger than that, but I couldn't find on the internet. And so there's a guy down the road, or possibly a lady, who's grown themselves a dinosaur. It's a man, is it? Oh, well, bless him this morning. Now, here's the odd thing, though. If one of you planted a seed, left it for five years and came back and it formed that, you'd be like, wow, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. But we know that all sorts of factors mean it won't grow into that. It won't, will it? Because we, there's all sorts of factors acting on it that would mean it just ends up like a blob or it ends up dead. And so for us, I think we're well aware that our culture, our society, the bit of me that isn't yet really fully like Jesus, all of those influences mean I won't become a mature and rounded Christian just by myself. It won't just happen. It's not just, oh, just time will do it. And 20 years from down the line, I've turned into like Mother Teresa or something. Like none of that stuff will happen because it needs effort and it needs help for that to happen. If we lived in heaven, that wouldn't be the case, would it? Because we would be living in that culture that would form us like Jesus because we'd be right there with him. But because we're here, we know that we need a bit of help, that we won't get there without quite a lot of help and a lot of influences to help us get in that direction. One of the main reasons I think that we need these practices is because it is so easy to forget what a Christian actually is. That a Christian isn't just a nice person, that a Christian isn't someone who just comes to church, but that it's much, much more than that. And so this morning, before we actually look at the different habits over the next few weeks, I wanted to remind us, what are we aiming for? What are we trying to be formed into? In John 17, it had this wonderful phrase. Jesus prays, As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so the world that may know that you have sent me. Isn't it a weird thing that Jesus wants you to be as close to him as the Father and the Holy Spirit? Now, you might have been into a room before, perhaps like I have, and you walk in and you suddenly realize that everyone else knows each other. And it's a bit odd. And then it's that, will they welcome me or not? (laughs) And sometimes you realize the answer is no. Actually, they've known each other for too long and they don't want to welcome you. And it's more like, go and have a seat over here. But this most intimate group, Father, Son and Holy Spirit says, Would you like to come and be in as much union with us as we have with each other? Come close to us. Be in close relationship with us. What is promised to us is amazing, is radical. Every now and then when I've had discussions with people, what is a Christian? And they say, well, this is what one is. And I say, well, I wouldn't die for that. That doesn't sound enough. That's not radical enough. The disciples were willing to die for their faith. The early Christians were willing to die for their faith. It has to be something amazing. And of course it is. Jesus could have therefore prayed in verse 15, Father, take them out of the world. The world's going to form them in all sorts of ways that are not helpful. So take them out. God, as fast as you can, beam them up, Scotty, because otherwise it might go wrong. But instead, he says, no, leave them in the world. Leave them in it. 
Of course, we know that we are not the same as everything else in the world, that we are made in the image of God, that we have been rescued, redeemed, saved, that our future is different. And you might notice there's a verse that crops up again and again in chapter 17, and it's the idea of truth, that God again and again wants to get into our hearts the truth of who we are, of what he's done for us. And if we really grasp that, then we won't be able to drift back to all of the behaviours and the mindsets and stuff of before we knew God for ourselves. How does that get into us? I think by some of the habits we're going to be thinking about in just the next couple of months. This week, though, I've been reading the book of Acts. Anyone else, it's their favourite? Acts is absolutely my favourite. I love it because there's not a lot of padding in Acts. You're like, you, you know, you're kind of fairly quickly from one thing to the next. And it's loads of amazing accounts of what happened to people. But I've been in Acts 5 this week. And it's quite a difficult chapter because the apostles have been healing people and preaching in Jesus' name. And they get arrested. And then the people who've arrested them, which is the Sadducees and the Pharisees, like the ruling elites, say to themselves, well, what do we do now? What do we do with these guys now that we've arrested them? And in the end, one of them says... But if these guys are sent from God, if it's true all about Jesus, we don't want to go against this. So let's let them free again. But right at the end of that bit, they say, well, before we let them free, we'll whip them anyway. Just as like for good measure, just so they remember they've been arrested by us sort of thing. And then this is the next thing that they say. That they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Do you know, if I'd been out in Stockton and then I'd been beaten up for being a Christian, I'd probably get home and whinge about it, if I'm honest. I'd probably say, God, were you not with us in Stockton? For how did you not see that we got beaten up and it was difficult and stuff? And yet for these guys, what they took from that experience was, I get to be part of the sufferings of Jesus. And I can sort of imagine them on the way home, one turning to the other and saying, do you know I got such a right hook around the chin for Jesus? Did you see what happened to me? I got booted in the shins for Jesus. I was like part of what Jesus was suffering. I got to be associated with him. Francis Chan, who's an American pastor, he wrote a book, Letters to the Church. And it was partly about when he went to China and he went to their underground prayer meetings They're kind of secret because in China you can get persecuted for being a Christian, as you might know. But he said the thing that struck him was that they were all praying, God send me to the most difficult and dangerous areas of China where I might suffer the most for Jesus. I can't really imagine being in that room, can you? Where you really grasp so much what faith is is about what Jesus has done, that it then tips into that amazing radical life where we want to go all out and we're not really bothered what it will cost us. I would love to have like the strings cut so that I could just go for it. A bit like we've been talking this morning. But there are all sorts of influences. And if I talked to people out there in our culture and said, you know, I'm a Christian, what would you like me to be like? I imagine they'd say, well, can you stay in the church Can you keep the religion in here, please? Can you please not pray for people out there? Can you not try and help anyone else to get to know Jesus? Can you make sure that you don't offend anybody? 
Those are the things I imagine that they would say. And it's really tempting to live that sort of Christianity. But Jesus would say to us, there is so much more, both in knowing him deeper, but also in pushing out and helping to change the society that we live in. We live by a different rule book. We live under a different banner. We have different marching orders. And we therefore must not be formed in ways which prevent us from growing to be all that God wants us to be. Peter, in our second reading, starts it off by saying this, prepare your minds for action. That's what I'm kind of going into 2023 with. I need to reset my mind to be remembering how radical the calling is on my life and on your life. Know that you will need to do something in order to live as God intends. Be sober-minded. Look into the mirror clearly. Set your hope on the grace and kindness given to you in Jesus. You were bought at a price. Your freedom to be one of God's children came through Jesus' blood. So we remember that we are valuable. And remember that freedom does not mean going back to our old ways. It's not arrogant to say no to influences on us in order to say yes to a better way through Jesus. So what perhaps are some of these practices that we're going to look at? So these are in order. The first one is prayer, prayer that feeds us, prayer that's like breathing. As I've started to meet with people and do some mentoring, as perhaps you're in one of those mentoring relationships, one of the things that really strikes me is that very quickly prayer becomes like a breathing sort of thing. It's like a response I was in that situation, it was difficult, so I prayed. That's what we're hoping for, that kind of intimate prayer that helps us to grow. The second thing is accountability. People to help us so that we don't kid ourselves. I need people to hold me to account and tell me when I've gone wrong. People to ask me, how is my spiritual life doing? The third one is scripture. The word of God is our plumb line, our true north. It is the one thing that we can trust above all else, for it is given to us by God. One of our practices is going to be helping us to get into scripture. Now, so far, you're probably thinking this is sucking eggs. But maybe this one is a bit different, solitude. That doesn't mean, by the way, being sort of by yourself and feeling just a bit lonely. That isn't really what it's about. And as a church, we want to help people to overcome that and to be alongside them. But instead, solitude means choosing to be by yourself so God can speak to you. Now, for some of us, we're going to gift that to somebody else. So in our family, for example, I used to think you can only be alone on the toilet. And then I discovered you're not alone there either because <laughs> the door isn't thick enough. <laughs> So sometimes you might have to gift that to somebody else. So it might be that if your husband or wife is there, you might say, can I just have an hour by myself or a bit more time? If perhaps your life group could help you in that and say, look, can we babysit for you one night so that you can be by yourself with God? Those times are so important. And it may not happen every week, but it's worth planning it. Can I have maybe half a day on my own with God? And what difference would that make? The next one is generosity, using what we have for the good of others. And one of the best ways I've found to break materialism in my life is to give stuff away. It reminds me and the devil and the world that my love is not with stuff, but is with God. Generosity. 
This is my most hated one, which is fasting. Anyone else not like that one either? I wish Jesus didn't fast, but he did. And he told us to as well, that going without food for short periods would help us to focus on him. It's something that I'm going to try this year. I don't wish to, but I've been told it's good for me. So I'm going to do it. Community is the next one. The Bible tells us to not stop meeting together. Early Christians ate together, hung out together, shared life together. Church was not on a weekly timetable where you're only rocking up like an hour a week. But church was having people in your life. And so perhaps this year you might want to think, well, who am I going to have in my life outside of the times when I have to because they come to church and I come to church. And so we're in the same building. But where else might we need other Christians in our lives to encourage us? On the same sort of theme, hospitality, right from Abraham onwards, we're called to be people who welcome others, who eat with others, who have time with others. We are in the next week going to sit down with our diary because we've realised that by chance this doesn't happen. So we're going to start to write people in, particularly people who don't come to church because otherwise they don't get round my table and that's rubbish. And when I look back at when I saw most people come to faith, it was surprise, surprise when I spent most time with other people who didn't have a faith. So I want to write that into my diary somewhere. We're almost there. Simplicity, not allowing life to become too complicated and full and busy, but coming back to what matters. Sabbath, which the youth are going to help us with, having a day that's different to all the other days in the week when we give God some space. And then finally, forgiveness, dropping the right to punish others for the wrong they have done to us. And repentance, which is recognizing that we do wrong and asking God and others to forgive us. Now, if you look at this and you think, that's more stuff for my life, then you'd be forgiven for thinking that. And when I first looked at this list, I thought, that's more stuff I've got to fit in my life. But actually, this is the trellis, this is the scaffolding that helps me get a life that's healthy. And I want that. I want a life where I get to know God better and I'm a blessing to other people. And so therefore, I'm going to try and put this in as the kind of structure on which the whole of my rest of my life is going to grow. Let me just give you a minute to have a quick look at that list and do a sort of mental check. Which are the ones that you think, oh, I think, I think that's okay. I think I've, I've got a handle on that one. And which are the ones where you think, oh, maybe there's more to that than I knew there was. And this might be the term when I look at it and think, how can I invest in that to help myself to grow? scaffolding is going to matter for us. You couldn't grow a dinosaur bush without a dinosaur-shaped trellis. We need like Jesus-shaped practices to grow like Jesus. And all this, I hope, is going to help us to have that depth of relationship that Jesus wants with us, where we are as close to him as he is with the Father. I hope it's going to help us that as we step out, we're going to see more people come to know him I was thinking this morning, what would be a reasonable dream for our church? Would we want to double in four years, three years? What's reasonable? 
How soon do we want to plant more services? To plant more churches? What are we hoping for? A lot of that will come out of how do we grow like Jesus that then changes the world. That's what we're hoping for, isn't it? Sir Francis Drake, who would not have been an obvious choice of mine for someone to pray, wrote this, and it's quite wonderful. Disturb me, Lord, where our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, where we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of the things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life and have fallen in love with this life. We have ceased to dream of eternity. We have allowed our vision of heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture into wider seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope and love.